Section 17 of Camilla by Fanny Burney. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Camilla by Fanny Burney. Book 2. Chapter 15. Two Sides of a Question. The intention of Edgar had been derived to Mrs. Needham, the lady of whom he meant to ask the information to which he had alluded. But a charm too potent for resistance demanded his immediate liberation from the promise to dr marchmont which bound him to proceed no further till they had again conversed together he galloped therefore to the parsonage house of cleves and entering the study of the doctor and taking him by the hand with the most animated gesture my dear and honoured friend he cried i come to you now without hesitation and free from every painful embarrassment of lurking irresolution i come to you decided and upon grounds which cannot offend you though the decision anticipates your counsel i come to you and find my dear doctor my good and kind friend, to confess that yesterday you saw right, with regard to the situation of my mind, and that to-day I have only your felicitations to beg, upon my confirmed, my irrevocable choice. Dr. Marchmont embraced him. May you then, he cried, be as happy, my dear young friend, as you deserve. I can wish you nothing higher. Last night, continued Edgar, I felt all doubt die away, captivating as I have ever thought of her, so soft, so gentle, so touchingly sweet, as last night I had never yet beheld her. You witnessed it, my dear doctor. You saw her with the baby in her arms. How beautiful, how endearing a sight. The doctor looked assentingly, but did not speak. Yet even last night was short of the feelings she excited this morning. My dear friend, she was upon the point of making an excursion from which she had promised herself peculiar pleasure, and to see a lady for whom she had conceived the warmest admiration. I begged her to postpone, perhaps relinquish entirely the visit. She had obtained leave from Sir Hugh. The carriage was at the door. Would you, could you believe such sweetness with such vivacity? She complied with my request, and complied with a grace that has riveted her. I own it, that has riveted her to my soul. Dr. Marchmont smiled, but rather pensively than rejoicingly, and Edgar, receiving no answer, walked for some time about the room, silently enjoying his own thoughts. Returning to the doctor. My dear friend, he cried, I understood you wished to speak with me. Yes, but I thought you disengaged. So, except mentally, I am still. Does she not yet know her conquest? She does not even guess it. Dr. Marchmount, now rising with much energy, said, Hear me, then, my dear and most valued young friend. Forbear to declare yourself. Make no overtures to her relations. Raise no expectations even in her own breast. And let not rumor surmise your passion to the world, till her heart is better known to you. Edgar, starting and amazed with great emotion, exclaimed, what do you mean, my good doctor? Do you suspect any prior engagement, any fatal prepossession? I expect nothing. I do not know her. I mean not, therefore, the propensities alone, but the worth also of her heart. Deception is easy, and I must not see you thrown away. Let me then be her guarantee, cried Edgar, with firmness, for I know her well. I have known her from childhood, and cannot be deceived. I fear nothing except my own powers of engaging her regard. I can trace to a certainty even from my boyish remarks, her fair, open, artless, and disinterested character. He then gave a recital of the nobleness of her sentiments and conduct when only nine years old, contrasting the relation with the sullen and ungenerous behavior of Indiana at the same age. Dr. Marchmont listened to the account with attention and pleasure, but not with an air of that full conviction which Edgar expected. All this, he said, is highly prophetic of good, and confirms me in your opinion I expressed last night, that every possible happiness promises to be yours. Yet still, said Edgar, a little chagrined, there seems some drawback to your entire approbation. To your choice I have none. 
you perplex me doctor i know not to what you object what you would intimate nor what propose all i have to suggest may be comprised in two points first that you will refuse confirmation even to your own intentions till you have positively ascertained her actual possession of those virtues with which she appears to be endowed and secondly that if you find her gifted with them all you will not solicit her acceptance till you are satisfied of her affection my dear doctor cried edgar half laughingly from what an alarm of wild conjecture has your explanation relieved me hear me however in return and i think i can satisfy you that even upon your own conditions not an obstacle stands in the way of my speaking to mr tyrold this evening with regard to your first article her virtues i have told you the dawning superiority of her most juvenile ideas of right and though i have latterly lost sight of her by travelling during our vacations i know her to have always been under the superintendence of one of the first of women and for these last three weeks which i have spent under the same roof with her i have observed her to be all that is amiable sweet natural and generous what then on this point remains nothing i am irrefragably convinced of her worth with respect to your second condition i own you a little embarrass me yet how may i inquire into the state of her affections without acknowledging her mistress of mine hold hold interrupted the doctor you proceed too rapidly the first article is all unsettled while you are flying to the last it is true and i again repeat it every promise is in your favour but do not mistake promise for performance this young lady appears to be all excellence for an acquaintance for a friend i doubt not you have already seen enough to establish her in your good opinion but since it is only within a few hours you have taken the resolution which is to empower her to colour the rest of your life you must study her from this moment with new eyes new ears and new thoughts whatever she does you must ask yourself this question should i like such behaviour in my wife whatever she says you must make yourself the same demand nothing must escape you you must view as if you had never seen her before the interrogatory were she mine must be present at every look every word every motion you must forget her wholly as camilla tyrold you must think of her only as camilla mandelbert even justice is insufficient during this period of probation and instead of inquiring is this right in her you must simply ask would it be pleasing to me you are apprehensive then of some dissimilitude of character prejudicial to our future happiness not of character you have been very peculiarly situated for obviating all risk upon that first and most important particular i have no doubt of her general worthiness but though esteem hangs wholly upon character happiness always links itself with disposition you gratify me doctor by naming disposition for i can give you the most unequivocal assurance of her sweetness her innocence her benevolence joined to a spirit of never-dying vivacity an animation of never-ceasing good-humour i know you my dear mandelbert to be by nature penetrating and minute in your observations which in your general commerce with the world will protect both your understanding and your affections from the usual snares of youth but here to be even scrupulous is not enough to avoid all danger of repentance you must become positively distrustful never doctor never i would sooner renounce every prospect of felicity than act a part so ungenerous where i am conscious of such desert upon this article therefore we have done i am already and fully convinced of her excellence but with respect to your second difficulty that i will not seek her acceptance till satisfied of her regard there indeed you start an idea that comes home to my soul in its very inmost recesses oh doctor could i hope however distantly durst i hope the independent unsolicited involuntary possession of that most ingenuous most inartificial of human hearts and why not 
why while so liberally you do justice to another should you not learn to appreciate yourself a look of elation delight and happiness conveyed to dr marchmont his pupil's grateful sense of this question i do not fear making you vain he continued i know your understanding to be too solid and your temperate too philosophic to endanger your running into the common futility of priding yourself upon the gifts of nature any more than upon those of fortune tis in their uses only you can claim any applause i will not therefore scruple to assert you can hardly anywhere propose yourself with much danger of being rejected you are amiable and accomplished abounding in wealth high in character and person and appearance unexceptionable you can have no doubt of the joyful approbation of her friends nor can you entertain any reasonable fear of her concurrence yet with all this pardon me when i plainly explicitly add it is very possible you may be utterly indifferent to her if so at least said edgar in a tone and with a countenance whence all elation has flown she will leave me master of myself she is too noble to suffer any sordid motives to unite us do not depend upon that the influence of friends the prevalence of example the early notion which every female imbibes that a good establishment must be her first object in life these are motives of marriage commonly sufficient for the whole sex her choice indeed said edgar thoughtfully would not perhaps be wholly uninfluenced i pretend not to doubt that the voice of her friends would be all in my favour yes interrupted dr marchmont and be she noble as she may beech park will also be in your favour your mansion your equipage your domestics even your table will be in your favour doctor interrupted edgar in his turn i know you think ill of women do not let that idea weaken what i urge i have not had reason to think well of them yet i believe there are individuals who merit every regard your camilla may be one of them take however this warning from my experience whatever is her appearance of worth try and prove its foundation ere you conclude it invulnerable whatever are your pretensions to her hand do not necessarily connect them with your chances for her heart mandelbert filled now with a distrust of himself and of his powers which he was incapable of harboring of camilla and her magnanimity felt struck to the soul with the apprehension of failing to gain her affection and wounded in every point both of honour and delicacy from the bare suggestion of owing his wife to his situation in the world he found no longer any difficulty in promising not to act with precipitance his confidence was gone his elevation of sentiment was depressed a general mist clouded his prospects and a suspense of discomfort inquieted his mind he shook dr marchmont by the hand and assuring him he would weigh well all he had said and take no measure till he had again consulted with him remounted his horse and slowly walked it back to cleves end of chapter fifteen and end of book two